the views expressed on this program are not necessarily the views of this station. Content is for educational purposes only. Consult a financial advisor or conduct your own due diligence of investing. Calls are pre-screened and the show was pre-recorded earlier this week. Rick is with Edelman Financial Engines, a part of Financial Engines Advisors, LLC, and the investment advisor that furnishes this program. Barron's ranks financial advisory firms based on assets managed, team size, experience, and regulatory record. Firms self-nominate. Investment returns and experience are not considered. Advisors in the Hall of Fame have been in the top 100 for 10 plus years. Future performance is not guaranteed. This is the Rick Edelman Show. Barron's ranks Edelman Financial Engines, the number one independent investment advisor in the country. And Rick is in the Barron's Financial Advisor Hall of Fame. Now, here's Rick Edelman. Welcome to the Rick Edelman Show. Very happy weekend to you. Rick Edelman here with a very allergy-induced scratchy throat. So uh, we're going to have a lot to talk about today. You know, we're going to begin with a recap of a couple of stories that I've been presenting to you in the past few weeks. First off, Social Security. As we've been talking about for years on this program, Social Security benefits are slated to be reduced dramatically starting in about eight years. It depends who you listen to, maybe 15 years. But based on everybody's math, the Social Security Administration itself, its board of trustees, uh, the trustees of the Social Security Trust Fund, as well as think tanks and uh, others who have done the calculations, including the Bipartisan Policy Center, Social Security benefits are going to be reduced somewhere between 25 and 30 percent starting as soon as 2029 and maybe not until 2035, depending on whose math and calculations you use. But everybody is in agreement that this is coming. And the reason is current law. It's not a question of Congress making changes to the law. It's not a question of raising benefits or reducing taxes. If Congress does nothing, this is what is going to happen. It's as simple as that. Now, I've been accused over time by folks who claim that I'm fear-mongering, that I'm trying to scare people, that I'm trying to plant ideas into Congress's head. Well, I want to reassure you, I'm not trying to scare anybody. I'm trying to make you aware of the circumstances so that you can plan accordingly. Because if you are anticipating that you're going to receive a certain benefit from Social Security, And that benefit is going to, in fact, be 25% less than you think. Well, you need to know that now so that you can plan accordingly. You can either save more money elsewhere. You can work longer. uh, You can reduce your own expenses. You do whatever you need to do to compensate for the fact that Social Security benefits, starting in as little as eight years, are going to be as much as 25 or 30% less than they currently are. Now, just to demonstrate for you, that I'm not making this up, and to illustrate for you that I am not the only one talking about this, the Social Security Administration has recently revamped the annual statement that it sends to Americans. This Social Security statement tells you what you can expect to receive in future benefits. They give you an estimate to help you plan for your future. The Social Security Administration has now revamped this statement, they've updated it, revised it, and they have now included a major new sentence, a couple of sentences, in bold print on this statement. Let me read it to you, and I quote, Your estimated benefits are based on current law. 
Congress has made changes to the law in the past and can do so at any time. The law governing benefit amounts may change because by 2035, the payroll taxes collected will be enough to pay only about 80% of scheduled benefits, unquote. So there you have it. The Social Security Administration, for the first time, going public in a very big way, individually to each American worker, warning you of what's coming. The only way this problem is avoided is if Congress takes action. That means Congress has to raise Social Security payroll taxes or delay or reduce Social Security retirement benefits or a combination of the two. That's it. Those are the options. And Congress has only as little as eight years to fix it. And the sooner Congress acts, the easier it'll be to resolve. The less radical the changes will have to be, the lower the payroll tax increases or the less the benefits will have to be cut. Because the sooner you act, the more time we have to deal with it. And it will be less painful for everybody. And this is why I've been talking about it an awful lot. It's why I founded the Funding Our Future Coalition with the Bipartisan Policy Center in an effort to get Congress to pay attention to this, because the sooner we act, the better off we all are. I'll keep you posted on this. And in the meantime, I encourage you to talk to your elected representatives in Congress to get them to take action, because the sooner we do, the better we all are off. I also gave you a story last week. Uh, I've been talking about this for the past uh, many months as well, something called NFTs, non-fungible tokens. This is a new phenomenon in the world of digital assets, most famously portrayed by Bitcoin. And a lot of folks are really shocked to discover that people are now placing art, digital art, artwork they create online, putting it onto the internet and selling that art. Most famously, a piece of art by an artist by the name of Beeple, sold his art in an auction at Christie's for more than $69 million. Well, just to illustrate for you the latest example of a piece of art, if that's what you can call this, you are probably familiar with a YouTube video called Charlie Bit My Finger. This is a video of two young boys, uh, looks like they're sitting in an automobile, and the older brother puts his finger into his younger brother's mouth. Charlie is the younger brother. This video was produced 14 years ago, and it is now one of the most viewed videos in YouTube history. Nearly 900 million views. Here's a clip from that video. Now, I don't know, maybe it's just me, but I don't particularly find that video very funny. Uh, It seems to me as rather silly and dumb and certainly not worthy of being one of the most viewed videos in YouTube history. But I guess it's just me because everybody else seems to think it's the funniest thing in the world. Well, I digress. Why am I talking about this? Because the family who produced that video, and by the way, those two boys are now teenagers because the video was 14 uh, years old, the family has now converted that video into an NFT, a non-fungible token, and they sold it at an auction online 
and they received $761,000 for that video. You must be joking. Yeah, it's really amazing. They just got three quarters of a million dollars for a video they produced 14 years ago. And in the process, the family has taken the video down from YouTube. The new owner of the video is now going to determine its distribution methodology. So quick, go look at everything you have in your house, photographs, videos, go create some art because you can maybe find somebody willing to buy it online by you offering it as a non-fungible token and placing it on the blockchain where it is authenticated and verifiable and cannot be duplicated or copied without your permission. So this is an illustration of the rapidly changing environment thanks to blockchain technology and digital assets. You'll be hearing more and more about this for sure. And we also talked last week about the notion that inflation is rising and people are finding it hard to keep up with the cost of living. So uh, I want to ask you this. Do you subscribe to any streaming services? 81% say yes to that. 60% have a Netflix account. But it's expensive, isn't it, for a lot of folks? 10, 20 bucks a month, depending on the service that you're subscribing to? A lot of folks don't want to pay that money. So according to a recent survey, half of those who have a Netflix account allow others to use it. In fact, 32%, one out of three American adults, say they secretly log in to a Netflix account or other streaming service without the permission of the account holder. So we're not only seeing a rise in inflation, we're seeing a decline in ethics. I'm Rick Edelman. You're listening to The Truth About Money. Stay with us. Named by Talkers Magazine as one of the 100 most important radio talk show hosts in the country, this is The Rick Edelman Show. Welcome back to The Rick Edelman Show. Let's take a look at what's going on in the marketplace based on the most recent current data. 25% of U.S. households, one out of four, are facing foreclosure or eviction in the next 60 days. In Rhode Island, 15% of homeowners are facing foreclosure. Louisiana, 12%. Nevada, 11%. But the worst in the country is the state of Maine. 38% of homeowners are facing foreclosure, and 70% are facing eviction within two months. Maine is the most horrific scenario, but they're followed by Arizona. 41% of renters are facing eviction. In Colorado, 40%. Wyoming, 38%. And Arkansas, 33%. We have to wonder what the long-term implication is going to be on the housing sector, the broader real estate marketplace, and by extension, the American economy. And will this have any impact on the stock market? Will it alter federal policy regarding more stimulus packages to prevent this from occurring? And we also have to, at the same time, watch out for scams. 
I bring you the latest scam examples as they occur from time to time to help you learn how to protect yourself and your parents. Here's a dreadful story out of Tennessee. An elderly widow living at home hired an exterminator. His name was Carl Hampton. Carl came to her home several times over a three-year period, and during this time, he began to realize that this widow has dementia. So he convinced her that he was her son or godson and that he would care for her. He persuaded her to sign a power of attorney to name him in her irrevocable living trust as the beneficiary and to be the beneficiary in her will. And he used the documents to steal $1.7 million. Both Carl Hampton and his wife, Deborah, have been arrested by the FBI. He faces 20 years in prison. She faces 10 years. Many of us these days are living very far from our parents. You know, in the old days, we lived in the same house, certainly in the same neighborhood or town. These days, we can be a thousand miles away because of the uprooting and transitory nature of lifestyles today. And it's not an opportunity, therefore, for you to see your mom and dad on a daily basis or even a weekly basis. So we need to be very, very careful to be making sure that we are protecting our parents, our elders, as best as we possibly can so that others don't find themselves victimized in this dreadful way. Let's talk now about careers. Technology, as I've been telling you for a long time now, is threatening Uh, to eliminate many jobs. Uh, In my book, The Truth About Your Future, we talk about the 175 occupations that are going to disappear over the next decade because they'll be replaced by automation, robots, artificial intelligence, machine learning. But so far, that hasn't happened. So far, since 1950, there is only one occupation that has been fully eliminated by automation. That job, elevator operator. That's the only job where we have had 100% job elimination. Now, there have been other jobs eliminated over the years prior to 1950. Town criers, lamplighters, clock winders, bowling center pin setters, ice cutters. Those jobs are long gone. We now have a lot of new jobs. Air traffic controllers, genetic counselors drone operators, social media influencers. The point is, technology is advancing. We are going to continue to see disruption in the workplace, both among companies themselves, as well as the kinds of workers and skill sets they need. So you need to evaluate very carefully. Is your job safe? How soon might it be automated out of existence? And what do you need to do to remain viable in the marketplace? The sooner you can identify your situation and answer these questions effectively, the better off you'll be in preserving your own financial security and positioning yourself and your family for the future that we are all headed toward. And I can't help but observe the demise of yet another institution in Americana. The New York Times op-ed page is now history. The New York Times is very famous for its editorial page and on its facing page, opposite editorial, that's where the phrase op-ed comes from, on the op-ed pages were uh, articles submitted by outsiders, 
voicing their points of view. The New York Times has eliminated the op-ed page. No, they have not eliminated the other voices who write in the newspaper. They've simply eliminated the name op-ed for the simple reason that most of the New York Times readers are not reading the physically printed newspaper. They don't hold it in their hands. So the op-ed isn't on the right side of the page facing the left side editorials. Instead, people are reading the New York Times online, and there is no left or right pages. So the New York Times editorial board decided that the use of the phrase op-ed is simply antiquated and obsolete. It's out of date and no longer relevant. Further illustration that even the words we use have to change to keep up with the times. And if you're wondering, golly gee, does this mean that life is really short and everything is going just so quickly? Well, you're right, it is. And that's why two and a half million affluent Americans who are 55 years of age or older say they plan to retire soon. This is the result of a survey from the Federal Reserve. They found the number of people who are expecting to work beyond age 67 is at a low, a record low, of only 33%. Two-thirds of people say they're going to quit before age 67. That has never happened before. A combination of affluence and, I think, the realization from the pandemic that, yeah, life is short and let's make the most of it. Let's not die at our desk. Let's not work till we're done and make sure that we recognize there's more to life than the career. Does that describe you and your attitude? Do you have the perhaps new found thinking as a result of our global experience of the past year regarding the pandemic that you want to look beyond your current lifestyle, your current career and activities? That means you need to talk to a financial advisor to help you map out a plan to get you from here to there so that you can, in fact, enjoy financial security, even given a change in your income and career circumstances. Oh, and speaking of the pandemic and the workplace, we're all familiar with the phrase pandemic puppies. Well, with everybody working from home, everybody decided I can't travel. I'm stuck in the house. I got nowhere to go. I got no one to see. So let's get a puppy. So there's an explosion in puppy adoptions through the pandemic. But now, as workers are preparing to go back to the office, what happens to that puppy? Pet-friendly workplaces have been in existence, and it looks like there's going to be an increase. As employers realize, many of their workers now have dogs who didn't have them before. But they're changing the rules. Yes, you can bring dogs into the workplace, but you're not allowed to pet any of the dogs on site out of a concern that they might have an infectious disease on their bodies. Only the owner can pet the dogs. Here's another one. No more long leashes. The dogs are going to be on a short leash. The dogs are not going to be able to roam freely in the offices. And by the way, employers are telling their employees, when you bring your dog to the office, do not put a mask on your dog. 
You're listening to The Rick Edelman Show. I would like to give you the latest and greatest in the field of exponential technologies. You're familiar with 5G networks, right? These are much faster uh, internet connections for Bluetooth, so that your telephones download data much, much faster. Well, guess what the 5G network can now also be used to do? According to a new research paper, a 5G network could be configured to transmit electricity, a wireless power grid that could actually power small devices. 5G is a big deal. It's a thousand times faster than 4G. And now, transmitting electricity as well. Pretty cool stuff. And Toyota is building an entire city that will be fueled by hydrogen fuel cells. Smart homes will automatically take out the trash and restock your refrigerator. Sensors will even monitor your health. 3,000 people have already signed up to move in to that energy city of the future. I'm Rick Edelman. I'll give you some more workplace returning information when we come back here on The Rick Edelman Show. In the meantime, if you've got questions about how the changing marketplace and circumstances is affecting your personal finance, if you're wondering if your career is safe, is your income safe, can you retire sooner than maybe you thought five years ago you wanted to, give us a call here at Edelman Financial Engines. Call us at 888-PLAN-RICK. That's 888-752-6742, or visit me online at ricedelman.com. I'm Rick Edelman. Stay with us for more about the latest video chat tool coming from Google. Author of the number one bestseller, Rescue Your Money, coming up on The Rick Edelman Show. Welcome back to the program. We were talking in our last segment about going back to work. And maybe you don't want to go back to work because you kind of like not having a commute and wearing pajamas while you're Zooming online. But maybe you want to go to work without having to go to work. What am I talking about? It's a new project being developed by Google. It's called Project Starline. It's a hologram video chat tool. It makes it look like the person you're talking to is actually in the same room with you. Here's how it works. You go into a booth. Picture it like uh, you know the booth in a restaurant. You're sitting at the booth, and opposite you is the person you're talking to. There are cameras and sensors surrounding you in this booth, capturing your image and all of your movements. Your image is transmitted to a similar booth somewhere else across town, across the country, the other side of the world, and somebody else is sitting in their booth, and the two of you appear to each other that you're both sitting in the same booth. Spatial audio systems make it seem like the other person's voice is all around you, not just coming from some small speaker. So it seems like the two of you are really there together. Pretty cool technology, and maybe this could make us all go back to work without having to go back to work. And in fact, dealing with employee attitude and morale is going to prove to be a very big challenge for employers. 
because of the dynamics that we've been experiencing ever since the pandemic started. This is all new and different for us. Who would have thought that employees would have so much say as to whether they go back to work, how many days a week they go to work, and employers demanding that you have a mask or that you be vaccinated or what have you. This is all very new and strange for all of us. And many employees are already being pretty vocal about their dissatisfaction. In fact, there was big news this week of one particular employer with 5,000 employees. The employees have been complaining to the boss about labor inequity, low morale, unfair pay cuts, they say, ranging from 3% to 10%, increased job pressure, no option to work remotely. This organization, they say, doesn't even have an HR department yet it has 5,000 employees, no productivity bonuses, no merit-based pay, no opportunity for professional growth. Meanwhile, the organization says, look, we're doing the best we can. Income is down 30% in the past year. Who's the boss of this organization? The Pope. The organization is the Vatican. Let's take a telephone call heading off to West Palm Beach. Matthew's with us. Hey, Matthew, how are you? I'm well. How are you, Rick? I'm doing great. Thank you so much. What can I do for you today? So I have a question about investing. Um, I'm in my 30s. I have done nothing when it comes to setting aside for my retirement, and I'd like to get started. I only have $1,000, and I'm not sure what is the best plan. Do you have any advice? Yeah, thanks for calling. It's a great question, and don't feel bad. Nobody really pays much attention to this until they're in their 30s. Uh, Take a look in the mirror. You're going to see the word adult stamped on your forehead. So uh, it wasn't there before, but it's there now. So so good for you for paying attention for this. In fact, you're ahead of the curve because an awful lot of folks don't pay. They don't notice that stamp on their forehead until they're in their 40s or 50s or 60s. So you're in good shape. Let me ask you this. Uh, I am going to lay out for you what you should do, um, but I want to ask you this first. This $1,000 you said you have. Is that the grand total of all the money you have, or is that just the amount you have for this purpose? That's just the amount that I have for this purpose. Got it. So tell me about other money that you've got. What's the total amount you have in savings? I have about three grand in savings, and I am really good at budgeting for my bills. Meaning you don't have any credit card debt? Um, No, I don't have any credit card debt. Good for you. Okay. Your monthly income is how much? Um, I make about $2,600 in monthly income, and I'm due to get a raise and a promotion within the next six months. So So your expenses are? My expenses, my income over my expenses is about $500 a month after bills and budgeting. Okay. I'm looking for a specific answer for a specific reason that will become more clear in a moment. So on a monthly basis, you're spending about two grand a month? Yes. Okay. And you've got three grand in the bank. Yes. Okay. And no credit card debt. No credit card debt. Okay. Good for you. Um, do you have any major expenses that you're anticipating? Buying a house, buying a car, having a baby, something? Um, having a baby, hopefully, which is why I'm interested in starting to invest because I want to be able to cover any future expenses that I can't plan for. Got it. Okay. Um, So here is my four-step strategy for you to consider. Number one, do you have a retirement plan where you work? Do I have a retirement plan? No, unfortunately. 
Oh, that is too bad. Okay. Uh, do you have an IRA account? I don't have an IRA yet, no. All right. That's where to start. So I want you to open an IRA account. Okay. And contribute the maximum that you're allowed, $6,000, to that plan. Now, you don't have the $6,000. you have only got 1000 So that's where to put it. Because as much as you're focusing on your anticipated baby, which is wonderful, I am, frankly, more concerned about your future retirement because that's going to cost a lot more than a baby will. Babies are expensive. The average household spends about a quarter of a million dollars raising a baby from birth to age 17. Oh, wow. In other words, up until college. And a quarter of a million sounds like a lot of money, and it is, but that is dwarfed by the amount of money you'll spend on retirement. So retirement's a bigger challenge, um, and you're not saving for retirement at present, so that has to come first. So that's what I want you to do, is to place the money into an IRA. I also want you to figure out how to increase your income, side gigs, extra income, uh, what have you, so that you can increase the amount of money you're able to save. Because step number two, which is not a problem for you, but for other folks, is to pay down credit card debt. We can skip that for you because you don't have that. Good for you. Step number three is to increase your cash reserves. You only have $3,000 in cash reserves, but you spend $2,000 a month, meaning if you lost your job, as millions did in this pandemic, you'd run out of money in a month and a half. So I would like you to build that up to three months, six months, even 12 months of cash reserves. So if you have a long, sustained unemployment, as millions of Americans have experienced this past year, you would be able to tide yourself over. So your cash reserves are good start, but not yet enough. And that's really what it comes down to. After you do all of that, you go to step four, which is then just continuing to invest and save in a diversified portfolio, but worry about that later. Your immediate goal is to put this $1,000 into an IRA. Uh, and second is to build up additional income potential to increase your ability to save and uh, for your future. It's really that simple. And unfortunately, there's no substitute for hard work, which is what it all comes down to. You could buy lottery tickets. You could buy Bitcoin. You could you know, launch an NFT and hope to sell it for three quarters of a million dollars. But the fact is, it's going to be hard work and dedication to uh, making this happen. And I have every confidence that you can do it because you're in your 30s and you're already in good shape. You've got good handle on your budget. You don't have credit card debt. You've already got some savings. That tells me you can make this happen. Excellent. I thank you for your advice, Rick. That sounds good. I'm really glad you called, Matthew, and I wish you very much the best. That was Matthew in West Palm Beach here on The Rick Edelman Show. Do what he did. Call me, 888-PLAN-RICK, or visit online at ricedelman.com. More with the author of the New York Times bestseller, The Truth About Your Future, coming up on The Rick Edelman Show. Let's go to the phones here on the Rick Edelman Show, heading to Boston, one of my favorite towns. Eric's with us. Hi, Eric. Rick, how you doing today? Doing great, thank you. How can I help? So, Rick, I had a question for you as far as my children's savings account. I'm looking to do more for them in the aspect as far as just the traditional savings. I was thinking about 
putting them into custodial brokerage accounts, and I wanted to see what your thoughts were on that. What is the goal for use of this money? Um, just for when they get older, they're going to have the money to use it for what they want. So I already do a 529 um, savings plan for school for them. So basically when they get older, it's their money. Well, define older for me. Are you talking three years or 30 years? Um, well, their ages are eight, five, and three. So I'm thinking, I know the custodial brokerage account, you can't touch it, I believe, until 18 years old, and then you get penalized for anything before that. So we're talking long-term, 10 years. All right. So first of all, your assumption about that rule is wrong. So with a 10-year time horizon, then I fully agree with you. There's no reason to be putting money into a bank savings account earning zero point nothing for 10 years. That's silly, and you're absolutely right. You should, in my opinion, since you're adding to this account on a periodic basis, that takes advantage of something called dollar cost averaging where you're periodically investing money, and that helps to offset – the volatility that the financial markets provide or experience. And we know that historically, the stock market's been the most successful investment, highest rates of return on average over very long periods. 10 years counts as a very long period. So I would encourage you to put that money into diversified stock mutual funds or ETFs and to continue contributing to them on a long-term basis. You're right to be doing it as a custodial account. But there is no rule that prohibits you from liquidating at any time. There's no rule about that at all. What the rule says is that depending on the state you live in, the child gets access to the account at either age 18 or age 21, the age of majority in your state. So you can withdraw the money. You're the parent. You're the custodian. So you're the one with control of the money until age 18 or 21. And you can withdraw the money anytime you want. There's no penalty. There's no tax problem. Um, You'll pay taxes on the profits, but you do anyway. But you don't have to worry about locking the money up for a 10-year period. That doesn't exist. So yes, I would encourage you, Eric, to do exactly what you're doing. Since you're already contributing to college, as long as that is sufficient uh, and you're supplementally saving in addition to that, yes, I think you have a very good game plan. And I would encourage you to use diversified stock mutual funds for your time period. I, I think that makes a lot of sense. So given the volatility of the market, we've been on a pretty good bull run. That's one of the things that kind of made me nervous, given that the market can rebound. Okay, I'll buy that. I'll buy that, Eric. That That's a good observation. So if that is how you feel, then don't put it entirely into stock funds. Build a more diversified portfolio that has uh, a dozen or more asset classes, not just stocks, but also bonds and real estate and precious metals uh, and exponential technologies, and so on and so forth. So build a highly diversified portfolio, which any good, talented financial advisor can do for you to show you how to do this, so that you aren't putting all your eggs in one basket. So that's perfectly fine. But either way, I think you're going to end up with a better outcome over a 10-year-plus period uh, than if you leave the money in a bank account. Yeah, because I used to do CDs for them and just like a bank account and just not getting anything out of them. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't see it anytime soon. <laughs> yeah, I get it. So I would recommend a combination of two things, as we've discussed. Number one, a diversified portfolio. Don't put all your eggs in one basket. Number two, recognize that diversification comes in two flavors. There's diversification by asset class, 
meaning you buy lots of different assets. But there's also diversification by time. Don't put all the money in today. Put 10% of it today, another 10% of it in a month, 10% of it a month after that. Put 10% in a month over 10 months. That way you'll get the average cost of the 10-month period. That will help smooth out the volatility. So by diversifying by asset class and slowly adding the money to the portfolio, I think you'll have a better approach than just leaving the money in a bank account. Well, as always, I always appreciate your help, Rick. It's my pleasure, Rick. Thank you for calling. And of course, I want to admonish, as I always say, whenever we talk about investment expectations and predictions and performances, that past performance does not guarantee future results. And any assertion of the contrary is a federal offense. But there you go, Eric. I wish you the very best. I wish every parent who had kids uh, of your ages was doing everything that you're doing. Good for you. Thank you. That was Eric in Boston here on the Rick Edelman Show, 888-PLAN-RICK. That's our phone number. Call anytime. My colleagues and I are happy to help you or visit us at ricedelman.com. Time now for everybody's favorite segment of the program, a visit by my wife, Jean Edelman. Jean, with a degree in consumer economics and nutrition, expert in macrobiotic cooking, here with her weekly missive for us. Hi, everyone. Great to be here. Always wonderful to share. So this week, I wanted to talk a little bit about calm. I made the mistake of watching a little bit of news this week. The emotions we all have coming out of COVID, not sure we're all managing very well. And how about we just try to calm ourselves a little bit? And that is take control of ourselves because that's all we can do is we can control ourselves and how we respond instead of react. So I came up with a few steps that maybe we could practice. (laughs) Step one is actually just to take a breath, take a long, deep breath. We want to bring more oxygen to our brain And create some space between us and whatever the situation is. The second step is to ask ourselves, well, what do we need at this moment and what are we feeling? Maybe we're a little bit anxious and fearful, so we need to feel safe. Maybe we just need a break from whatever the situation is. But understanding that can help us find the balance. Three is to actually give ourselves what we need. Scan our body. Where are we holding tension? Are we even breathing? Is our stomach tight? Is our heart pounding? What is happening? How are we responding? How about then we just do some nice positive mental talk? I feel safe. I feel happy. I'm in control everything's going to be okay, I feel at ease. The fourth step is to take some time to look around. Once we have ourselves contained and breathing and balanced and understanding what's going on and how we are physically and emotionally reacting, we look around at others and we put a smile on. Maybe we don't feel that smile, but we should put a smile on and share it because then possibly when we share it, we can help others find some calm. And then the fifth step is to take another deep breath, observe how we're feeling. Have we diffused ourselves 
and have we possibly diffused others? We control us. We can influence others. But the goal is to share the calm, the balance, the smile, to share a healthier outcome. So this week, short and sweet, the word is calm. C is for courage. We need to know ourselves. We need to listen to ourselves versus getting pulled into whatever any situation is going on. A is to affirm, to declare, to proclaim, to pronounce, knowing what is important to us and standing in that truth. L is to listen to our mind, our body, and our intuition. They will tell us, our body will tell us, our mind will tell us what we need. And we need to follow that, to trust that, so that we can find that neutral, that balance. And M is for mindful. We need to create the time we need to not be rushed. Instead of multitasking, how about we monotask? That will help us be in the here and the now. And so calm, calm is what we want. Yes, life is coming out of that cocoon. But if you've ever observed, that butterfly will sit in the sun and let her wings dry. And that's what we need right now. We, maybe we need a little bit of a pause before we jump right back in. Let's take some breaths. Let's think about our words, our actions. Let's put positive and happy and kindness out into the world. I always am so grateful for all of you and for listening, and I hope that we can share some calm. Have a wonderful week. That was my wife, Jean Edelman, here on The Rick Edelman Show. Thanks very much for joining us on the program today. Anytime you have questions about your investments or anything about your personal finances, call us at 888-PLAN-RICK. That's 888-752-6742, or visit us at ricedelman.com. You know, there's a lot more to The Rick Edelman Show this week. Our full podcast online has lots more, including a growing concern over inflation, how to pay for long-term care. You can hear all my thoughts on that and more in this week's podcast at rickedelman.com. Have a great Memorial Day weekend. See you next week. The truth about money every weekend on the Rick Edelman show.